Amen. Come home running. Come to Christ. The, um, today being Mother's Day, where you want to say congratulations to all your mothers and happy Mother's Day. I hope and pray that your day is very special and um, that God bless you for being uh, the mother you are. <laughs> uh, I won't say for not killing your kids because then you'll have grandkids and that's why you have children, you know, <laughs> so something like that. So. so we're grateful for that. Also, I uh, want to make mention, um, I guess the, we are going to be able to have 25 in church next week, <laughs> somewhere in there. We don't know for sure. We'll, we'll make that announcement after the uh, governor makes his announcement, so we'll keep that in mind. Um, if you would like to make a contribution, your tithes and offering, uh, greatly appreciated, to make the checks out to Wimber Assembly, uh, Box 361, Wimber, PA, 15963. So that's Post Office Box uh, 361, Winber. All right. Well, this morning I'm continuing this I, the series that I have on Connect, and uh, this Connect is Jesus came to connect with us. Jesus came to connect. Now, there's a difference between contact and connecting. Now, in this this virus, this coronavirus we have, we are to be isolated from people uh, so that we do not connect or in contact with people so that, you know, those who have the virus may not know or do not know they have it. And so they're, you're capable of spreading it to people even when you don't even know you're sick. So whenever we have, we've come to this idea of isolation in place, staying within your own little circle of family and household, and uh, not venturing out to other places where this virus can be um, caught either by touching a surface or, you know, on your hands and touching your eyes and things like that. It becomes the incubator. Your eyes become the incubator, whether it's for this virus or for colds or flu or those other, other things going on. So hopefully this will help us in the future um, pay attention to what we're touching and washing, hand, taking care of our hand washing. But Jesus came to connect. Now, I, I was thinking of this whole idea that if you... Um, if you have two open hands and you put them against each other, well, that's in contact. But whenever you take your, your hands and you take your fingers and you interweave, inter, they're interwoven together, well, that's a connecting. You know, so whenever we are in contact or connecting, Jesus has come to be one with us, and that's that our lives would be interwoven with him and with his purpose and with his life that we find outlined in the scriptures. Well, today we're looking at uh, John chapter 4, and this chapter talks about uh, Jesus and his encounter with the woman at the well. And uh, this is one of, again, one of my favorite um, scriptures and series of um, uh, encounters that Jesus has because it, it talks about how that Christ has gone out of his way to connect with, to not only be in contact with, but to connect with this woman at the well. So verse 3 of John chapter 4, So he left Judea and went back to Galilee. And on the way to Galilee, he had to go through the country of Samaria. 
Well, in the history back from this time period, there were two kingdoms. There was the northern and southern kingdom of Israel. And in the northern kingdom, Samaria was the, the capital. And whenever the Assyrians came and captured, as it were, the northern part of, of, the, of the nation of Israel, that they took, they captured its capital, and they took the people, a lot of the people, out, the Jewish people, out of uh, that area and relocated them to Assyria, and they imported a lot of other people into um, um, or a lot of foreigners into kind of resettle, repatriate that area. Well, what happened was the, the, the Jewish individuals who were still there, left, leftovers as it were, they intermarried with the um, people who were brought in to these foreigners who were brought in to, um, re, to kind of keep that area in um, in check so that they would come under the Assyrian rule and they intermarried. And so the Jews, the Jewish people in the southern kingdom felt that the, the, their fellow Jews had intermarried, had betrayed the people, the people and their nation. So the southern kingdom, as it were, became this um, pure bread, pure Jewish nation and the northern kingdom was known as Samaria, and they were considered um, people who were unfaithful to the covenant that they had with Abraham and to they had with God. So in the time period of Jesus, Samaria was off limits. You know, you don't go to Samaria, you don't go through Samaria, doesn't matter, you go around it. So that was the culture of the time. So whenever we're setting this up, that when Jesus uh, talks about going through Samaria, this is, this is a big deal. <laughs> this is a big deal. It was, it was such a, um, a horrendous sin, as it were, at that time period. It was almost as if you could catch the virus by walking through the, ground, walking through the country. You know, the, the sin of Samaria would get attached to you and you would become defiled by just walking through the, through the country. So that's how, that's how difficult this was for Jesus to go through Samaria and for his disciples. So Samaria was off limits. You know, there was no, there was only bypasses. <laughs> you went around Samaria. So Jesus says, in the, in the King James Version, it says, I must, go, I must needs go through Samaria. You know, Jesus is saying, I have to go through Samaria. Now, again, thinking of the history, thinking of the prejudice that his disciples and, and others had against Samaria, this was a, this was a big deal. I, I, Jesus, I, I have to go through Samaria. In Samaria, Jesus came to the town called Sychar, which is near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from his long trip. So one little side note there, Jesus was tired, indicates that his humanness. <laughs> you know, Jesus is human. He became tired of his journeys. He became tired in his traveling and, and his ministry, you know, the constant drain upon him as an individual. Well, he got to this well outside of Sychar, and there he sat down beside the well, and it was about noon. So Jacob's well was a property formerly owned by Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And uh, Jacob owned this property, and he's the, the originator, the one who dug this well. 
And the wells uh, were almost always located just outside the city. And, and I reckon that is for people who are travelers, didn't have to come into the city. You know, it kept the, the, the people that are on caravans or traveling uh, on the long distances, it kept them up from going into the city, just was able to, they were able to water their animals and receive water themselves. <clears throat> and, um, but they would stay outside of the city. So it was about noon. This is very important too, because uh, this encounter that Jesus has with this woman happens at noon. Well, people normally came to draw water in the morning and the evening. You didn't, you didn't do much in the, at noontime because it was so hot. And so people weren't out. They were generally sitting somewhere or relaxing somewhere in a shaded area so that they could stay out of the heat. And uh, this woman, she came at noon, probably to, av- to avoid other women uh, because of her reputation and because of the, probably the insults that she would receive by other people. Verse 7. A Samaritan woman came to the well to get some water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. <laughs> well, this was something that never happened. You know, she is a Samaritan. She lives in a hated area. She is a mixed race. She was known to be living in sin. She was in a public place. And no respectable Jewish man would be speaking to a woman under such circumstances and of such a reputation. But Jesus did. Jesus spoke with her because he knew he came to connect with her. You know, it's almost like Rahab in, the, in Jericho, whenever they, you know, she hid the spies. And, you know, the, 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 the spies that went into Jericho and she hid them, they, they said, well, you let down a scarlet ribbon out of, the, out of the window and everyone who is in your house will be spared. They, you know, it's like the, the, the spies went into Jericho. They didn't, you know, they were going in to spy out the land, but it had nothing to do with how God was going to crumble the walls. It had to do with saving this one person, this one person who God knew in their heart but was an individual who was longing for him even though their life didn't show it. And that's, kind of, that's what we find here with this woman at the well. Jesus went there. And what it tells us is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news, is for everyone. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't ma- matter your past sins. The gospel of Jesus Christ has no barriers. Verse 8. This happened while his followers were in town buying some food. (laughs) So Jesus knew this woman was coming, and if all the other disciples had stayed there, she wouldn't have spoken to him, and they probably would have prevented, stood between Jesus and this woman, so that, you know, he couldn't talk to her. Sometimes I think... um, people who try to protect us from the very thing we're supposed to be doing. Uh, We need to be aware of that. Because Jesus came to connect. (laughs) That's the title of my sermon. Jesus came to connect. Verse 9. The woman answered, I am surprised. 
I am surprised that you ask me for a drink. You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. You see, you know, she's, she's aware of this distancing and she's aware of this prejudice that exists between Jews and Samaritans. For Jesus to be dealing with this woman was to be in ritual defilement. <laughs> you know, the, those who were keepers of the law would say he would no need to cleanse himself from this ritual defilement of being contaminated by this country that he is walking through. One of the things she brings up here is that there is, a, there is an enormous religious barrier between these two groups. There's, there's a religious barrier. We think, well, in, in today's society, we have religious barriers. We have religious, you know, between denominations or churches or, you know, areas, there is, there, often there are a lot of barriers. Well, there is a very enormous religious barrier between the Jews and the Samaritans. And Jesus takes the initiative here to kind of penetrate that barrier, to try and, you know, shake the wall a little bit. And the, um, the, the first resistance that this woman has to Jesus is, I am surprised that you would talk to me. <laughs> okay, okay, the, you know, your walls are already up. He's a Jew, he's, a, he's, he's Jewish, and he's coming here, and he's from the temple, he's from the other side of town, the other side of the border, and her immediate response is, I'm surprised that you would talk to me. And doubly surprised, you would ask me for a drink. <laughs> Verse 10. Jesus answered, you don't know what God can give you. Hmm. <laughs> you see, the gift of God was a very common, this phrase, gift of God was a very common phrase uh, at that time, but as a, as a comprehensive term for everything that God bestows on man for his salvation. You don't know what God can give you. Uh, that, I, that God can give you, and Jesus busy, I can give you everything that God can give that would be for your salvation. Hmm. Notice Jesus doesn't tell her she must go across the border, you know, get out of Samaria, go someplace else, um, <laughs> quit doing what you're doing, move out of the, the house you're in because the guy you're with isn't your husband. He doesn't go there. He, he, he doesn't tell her to go do something. He, he just begins to, he's trying to get her to understand who he is. And Sometimes I think that that is the hardest thing, the hardest position we have as individuals is trying to help people understand just who Jesus is. <laughs> Many people have their ideas, you know, where they get them from is, you know, beyond me. <laughs> they, you know, they have a mixture of some type, something they heard on television, something they heard about a religion or a church service, and they have this mixture of things that they, they come up with. Uh, it's just nuts. <laughs> I had uh, one of my relatives that whenever they were, uh, they both, both passed, but whenever they were younger, they, went to, they would go to college and take religion courses. And uh, from their religion courses, they came up with their own religion. <laughs> you know, 
you know, they, they, I mean, to talk with them was just a smorgasbord of everything because they just picked and choose what they wanted to believe out of all these things they found in their religious courses. Uh, they were really, had nowhere to go with that. But when they were dying, every one of them wanted to talk to David <laughs> because they wanted to come back to the faith that they had as a child when they were a teenager, when they were growing up, to know Christ. You see, we don't really know what God wants to give us. No matter how long we've been a Christian, no matter how long we've been a follower of Jesus Christ, no matter how much we've read of the, of the Bible and how much we understand of it, God can give us more. God can give us a greater understanding, a greater um, depth of perception, a greater depth in our heart and our spirit of what true spirituality is. It isn't something that we attain and get a diploma for and we've arrived. We never arrive there. So we can all challenge ourselves with this, this, this statement that Jesus makes to this woman. You don't know what God can give you. You don't know. There's more to God than what you already know. There's more to understanding God than what you already have. There's more of his grace and greatness that he wants to reveal to us. And it isn't, you know, this blinding light revelation in the voice from heaven. No, it's this quiet, still voice in our, in our soul, in our spirit that speaks to us about life and about peace and about forgiveness and about relationship and how that God is making a difference in our conversations and our doings and the people we, we speak with and the people we're around. It all has an influence. You don't know what God can give you. And you don't know who I am. The one who asks you for a drink. You don't know who I am. And again, how many people really know Jesus? Now we, can, we ask him for, to forgive us of our sins and live within our hearts. And that's, that's, that's the beginning. That's where this all begins. But the, the greater the revelation, the Messiah, the Savior, the friend... He knows us entirely, and he loves us completely. He wants to reveal himself. But, you know, we can't, <laughs> there's a depth to our understanding. You know, when, when um, John, in the book of Revelation, you know, he's told, you don't need to write this down because people aren't going to understand it. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, that you have this revelation, you see all this, and he wrote down, but there were portions that God told him, no, that's for whenever people get here. <laughs> Jesus asked her for a drink. The request was not really about Jesus. It was about her. It was about her needs. It was about opening the door in her life to receive what Jesus had to give. So he asked her. He initiates the conversation. She already had the wall up, and Jesus is trying to break through the prejudices. When Jesus requests that we confess our sin, this is not something about him, it's about us. When Jesus says, follow me, it's not that Jesus needs help, it's that we need that understanding and that relationship. Following Jesus Christ is about what we will learn. 
And whenever Jesus asks of us to, to give something up or to give something away or to receive something of his blessing into our life, it's not about him, it's about us. It's about God touching that soul inside of us that makes us complete and heals the hurts and the wounds from life and the, the misunderstandings. That's why this story is so important to all of the followers and all the would-be followers of Jesus Christ to start pecking away at the, the barriers that we have erected because of misunderstandings and false accusations and misconceptions. Because the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, she knew all too well of how the people on the other side of the border thought of her. Jesus says, you don't know who I am. If you knew, if you knew, you would ask me, and I would have given you living water. I would have given you living water. The, the, the Old Testament speaks of springs of living water, that anyone who thirsts after God is one thirsting for water. As one thir- and the heart that leads the deer panteth after the water, so does my soul panteth after you one of the Psalms. So you see, Jesus is making this analogy and trying to get her to to open up a little bit to the understanding of water and thirst and soul and something beyond the prejudices. Verse 11. The woman said, Sir, where are you going to get living water? (laughs) This is a desert area. This is the only well, and you're going to come up with living water. Well, Jesus is trying to get her to understand that there's similarities between what you understand and what I want to tell you. There's, there's something about water that you drink that you're thirsty for, and there's something about a spirit and a soul inside of you that thirsts for God. And it's there. You're just trying to uncover it. We find that what Jesus uncovers here with this woman at the well is what everyone coming to know Jesus Christ has come to realize. He said, we must be born again. There's John and Nicodemus, John chapter 3. He's telling, you must be born again. It's like, what? How can I be born when I'm old? Taking something that you know, taking it to what you don't know. Verse 11. She stated, the well is very deep. Where are you going to get this living water? And the well is deep, and and you have nothing to get water with. (laughs) You you don't even have a bucket. How many individuals do you know that when you speak to them of spiritual things, not religion, not being religious, you know, we're talking about spiritual truths. You know, many people have formalities and have uh, you know, formal relational things with God that they, they, it's like where they make contact, you know? They make contact with God. We go there every week or every once in a while and we make contact with God. We do the things we're supposed to do. We pray, we do this, and, and, and then we go on and the, the contact is broken. But you see, the contact is to be a connection. That our religion and our relationship with Jesus Christ is about a connection, 
not just coming in contact with him once a week to make him happy. (laughs) Because it's not about God. It's about us. When she does not understand what Jesus is talking about, it's, it's interesting because this is what most people do. What we believe in Samaria and what you as Jews believe are completely different. Are you greater, and this is verse 12, are you greater than our ancestor Jacob? It's like, in your face, Jesus. (laughs) You think you're greater than Jacob who gave us this well? You think you're better than him? You know, Jesus is talking about water and living water and he doesn't have a bucket. (laughs) You think you're greater than our, our ancestor Jacob? Verse 12, he, (laughs) she's still speaking, he, Jacob, is the one who gave us this well. He drank from it himself, and his sons and all the animals drank from it too. I want you to know, Jesus, this well right here that we drink out of, our ancestor, our father, Jacob, drank from it, and we have religious, (laughs) we have something very religious going on here. You know, this is our religion. This is where we anchor ourselves. And that mountain over there she's going to get to, we worship over there. And so here's the well, and there's where we worship Jesus. I want you to know those things. (laughs) He's just like, in your face, Jesus. You're not going to, you're not, you're not pulling anything over on me. I know what I believe. (laughs) Oh. She recognizes that Jesus, his puzzling statements, implies that he is greater than their patriarch, Jacob. And she's offended at that. Verse 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But anyone who drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. The water I give people will be like a spring flowing inside them. It will bring them eternal life. That's connection. That's connecting. You know, not contact. You know, if you have two, two pipes that kind of contact each other, a lot of water gets out. It doesn't always flow. You know, you have a, a, a pipes that contact. Well, over a period of time, those, those pipes separate. But whenever you have things that are connected, there's a flowing that takes place. And Jesus is saying, there's a living water that flows from me. You know, this man-made well is contrasted with God's, God's living water, this God-given spring that is in Jesus Christ that flows inside of us. Verse 15. The woman said to Jesus, Sir, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to get more water. Wow. Easy street now. Uh, yeah, my, is that indoor plumbing? <laughs> I don't have to come back here and get water. There's going to be water in my house. Is that what you're saying, Jesus? Verse 16. You know, she's off on this little tangent. And Jesus says, um, go get your husband and come back. <laughs> what does water have to do, what does water from this well have to do with a husband? <laughs> you know, why? Why do I need to go get a husband? woman says, I don't have a husband. (laughs) And Jesus said, you're right. That's because although you have had five, 
The man you live with now is not your husband. That much was the truth. You see, her present religion, her well and her mountain, had no effect upon her as a person. And I think of people's religion that is just a contact. It's like a a well and a, a mountain, a church or a building or a denomination or whatever we want to call it. And it can be any denomination. It, doesn't, it can be any church. But it's the idea that we just go there to make contact. And, and it doesn't have a lasting impression. It's just something we've got to go back and renew the contact. But Jesus is here to, he wants to have a connection with us that changes us from the inside out and where there's springs of living water coming out of our innermost being. The woman said, Sir, I see you're a prophet. Say, well, she's finally getting it. Well, I don't think so. It's a smoke screen. I always, when people, when I know I'm getting close to people and helping them in, you know, resolve some issues and so on, they go, wow, you're really a great counselor. And I go, smoke screen. <laughs> you really do this well. Have you had practice? <laughs> yeah, what's the problem? You know, it's like, <laughs> she's, she put this smoke screen up. You must be a prophet. But Jesus doesn't have an ego that, you know, look at me. It's like, no, I've come here because I'm here for you. I must needs. I had to come here because I had to meet you. And I can't allow, won't allow prejudices that have come up over the, the years. I won't allow the sins uh, of your life and I won't allow the difficulties of where you are at and how you live in this community. I won't allow any of that to interfere with, with me touching your life in a way that will change you for an eternity. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, but you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship. Well, this is the point where I say, are you Democrat or are you Republican? Well, that's what she did. She says, are you Jews, you Jews, you believe it's in, in, in Jerusalem. We believe it's right here. Which is it? Because if you don't answer correctly, I'm not going to talk to you any longer. <laughs> uh, we will leave the political things away. But, but you see how that people will try to create a division so they no longer have to be in contact. Huh. Jesus says, believe me, woman. <laughs> the time is coming when you will not have to be in Jerusalem or on this mountain to worship the Father. What? You don't have to be a Republican or Democrat? You see, that's a surprise. Believe me, the time is coming that no matter whether you are a Democrat or a Republican, whether you are for Trump or against him, it's going to be, are you for Christ or anti-Christ? Where is your faith taking you? Where, what is it that you are believing? And how is your belief system setting you up for tomorrow and for eternity? How is your belief system making a con- not a contact, but a connection? 
How is your belief in God connecting you to eternity? Connecting you to the surprises of life? (laughs) But the time is coming when you true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The key to what Jesus is opening. Worship in spirit and truth. What we do in our relationship with God is not about showing up at a building, although a building is important. (laughs) Showing up, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, so we are to meet together. But worship in our spirit is more than just connecting. It's, It's more than just contact. It's connecting with God. And our relationship with God is about connecting with him. In fact, the time is now here. And these are the kinds of people the Father want to be his worshipers those who will worship God in spirit and in truth. Truth. What is truth? A divine truth that is revealed in the scripture that, that fills our heart with love for God and an understanding that life is more than just a collection of things that our purpose in life is greater than the things that we have imagined in the the process of getting somewhere to be something, to do something, so that we can have something and be more. It's about allowing God to speak in our heart. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, because now Jesus is being able to penetrate that wall of prejudice, the, the idea of the mountain and the well and Jerusalem and Samaria, and he's, he's penetrating and making his way through, and the prophet, uh, you know, are you greater than our prophet? Jacob, I know, you're a, I know the Messiah is coming. He is the one called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus said, the Messiah, he's the one talking to you. I am the Messiah. (laughs) Wow. Jesus chose a prejudiced woman who was, who's had five husbands and living in adultery, who was an outcast of her town that no one wanted to be with her and she didn't want to be around anyone. She came at noon and it was to this woman, Jesus says, I am the Messiah. Wow. You see, Jesus has come to reveal himself to us. Not because we have a position of privilege, but because we have a position in which our heart is receptive. And when Jesus sees a heart that is receptive, he will go out of his way to connect. (laughs) And that's what he did. He went through Samaria to show up at a well at noontime to meet a woman who was an outcast because in her heart he knew there was something she was searching for And he knew that she was searching for him. And he came to her. And whoever we are, whoever you are, wherever you are, God knows what's in your heart. He knows what you believe. He knows what you're longing for. And he will meet you where you are at. (laughs) In In the great scripture that goes with this is verse 29. 
She says, come see a man who told me everything I have ever done. Come see him. Maybe he is the Messiah. But she says, come see a man who told me everything I had ever done. What a contrast. She was hiding from everybody who reminded her of what she had done. She went there at noon. Now she goes back into town and she's saying, come see a man who's told me. You see, there's been a change in her heart. There's been a change in her attitude. There's been a change in in who she is as a person because she met with the Messiah, Jesus. And he changed everything about her. Then verse 42, the people said to the woman, first we believed in Jesus because of what you told us. She became the evangelist. But now we believe because we heard him ourselves. We know now that he really is the one who will save the world. (laughs) See, I, others, would inspire us to believe and we would believe, but Jesus himself will speak to our own hearts and you will hear and believe because of what he has said to you in your own heart in your own life. He will give to you. What will he give? Those gifts that only God can give. (laughs) That he will give to us the gifts that only God can give. And he will give them to us because we become his child. We are connected with him in spirit and in truth. Amen? Jesus, we thank you for hearing our prayer. We need forgiveness. God, we need the truth of your word in our hearts and our lives. We confess our sins. We ask you to connect with us, Lord, that we be, our lives be interwoven with you. God, we thank you for hearing our prayer, and we pray for our nation, and we pray for those that are ill, and we pray for people who are helping people. God, keep them safe. Give wisdom and understanding to those in leadership. But God, come into our heart. Come into my heart. Make that connection with me that God you've longed to make for years. Come into my heart. Connect with me, O God. Erase my sin. Write my name in your book of life, and I will live with you forever. Amen. God bless you.